Good being back with you this morning. Would you turn your Bibles to John chapter 13? John 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 20 this morning. Uh, that will be our text. Uh, a few quick updates, a few praises for the Mid South Church Planting Network. At the end of uh, beginning of August, August 1, we will actually particularize another church, which is what happened here, what, three years ago now? Um, two years, three years ago this summer? Three? Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're thankful that God has raised up elders and deacons for that church to become a particular church in our denomination. And we're also praising God for the fact that we have found another church planner and approved him to move to Ocean Springs. You may remember the last time I maybe preached and gave you an update, we lost a church planner to stage five, stage four of melanoma cancer. And so we were wondering who would God raise up. We raised up another man uh, and his wife and family, and they are hoping to be on the field sometime at the end of of this year or beginning of 2022. So thank you for your prayers and encouragement. Thank you that you, uh, as a church, support the Mid-South Church Planting Network to help me do my work and to encourage church planting and pastors. A reminder, again, there are 60% fewer churches today than there were 100 years ago. There's a lot more people and a lot less people who even know about Jesus or His church. So we're privileged to be gathered together as a church family this morning and reminded of His love for us as He pursues us through church to worship and singing and the preaching of God's word. So this morning I want to really talk to you about the, the character of community. How is character formed? And when we think about character, we think about time and patience. Two things as Americans we hate. We, can't, we don't have enough time and we have no patience, right? I want to be a person of integrity now. Or I want to fix this problem now. We don't really want to wait. But God is, as I often say to church planners, God is just never, ever in a hurry. He is always making us wait and look to Him and to trust Him. And so forming character, both individually and as a body, is a very important concept that Jesus is even imparting in this text. I'll give you maybe a quick illustration by way of a car wash. Since the theme is really washing and cleansing, I'll use this. So I often take that little white Prius through the... The quick uh, USA car wash in Hernando, right? Just run it through there, and it looks basically most of the time clean. But I always know there's dirt, and there was even some fungus on the top of the uh, of the of the hood of the car. I was like, how can I how can I get that stuff off? So I, I rarely do this, but about two weeks ago, I said I'm going to wash my car the old-fashioned way. You know, both hands, suds, car wax, the whole deal. And I was exhausted in about 35 minutes. I was exhausted, and I said, you know what? I'm just taking this thing back to the car wash. I don't care how dirty it might get, right? I, I know that to get it really clean, it's going to require a lot of work. But our default mode, right, as people, without time or patience is, oh, it'll do, it'll do well enough. It'll just be good enough, right? And I want you to think this morning that that's a terrible way to think about your Christian life and experience, that God has made you clean and He is desiring to make you look beautiful at the same time. And He's never in a hurry. And there are no shortcuts. There are no quick fixes. There's not a good enough car wash, you might say. And so in this text, you see that the truth is this, that our relationship to God is found only in terms of washing and cleansing in John 13. And this is not romantic language, right? It is servant language. It's costly language. 
It's not even customary language for us, even this morning. But in this text, we are being pointed to what Jesus is going to do in John 14 through 17. Spend those last hours of his life giving this community character to himself. And giving them hope that he is forming the kingdom of God in their hearts and in their lives as he eats that last meal with them and goes to the cross. Here we see the heights of God's love stoop down to wash disciples' dirty feet. And if you know this text, we know it's a whole lot more than just washing dirty feet. You see, if, Christ, if Jesus Christ has washed us, then we are clean. And we are accepted by God. And if this is true, then immediately He has called us to be servants with love for the world, just like Jesus had. Accepted and called defines the character of those who pick up a cross and follow after Jesus. So let's look at the text really on this first heading, Washed by Christ for Acceptance in these opening verses. Washed by Christ for Acceptance. Acceptance is known by the washing of the Word. Verse 1 says, He loved them to the end. That's one of my favorite descriptions of how John talks about Jesus and his friendship, and his fellowship, and his ministry among the disciples. He loved them to the end. To the end of what? To the end of everything in the world. He loved them to the end of his life, and he's going to love them to the end of his second coming, the world to come, which is John's big theme. Jesus is coming back, right? Even concluding that, Lord, come quickly. You have this whole picture in Revelation and John of, of the longing of Jesus to come back. But he loved them to the end. In verse 7 he says, And you do not realize now, but you will afterward. After what? After he ascends into heaven and goes to be at the right hand of God his Father, they would now know all these things that he had promised had come true in his person and work for them. You see, this act of Jesus confounds, bewilders his disciples in the world. It's an awkward moment. I remember trying to do this with my youth one time saying, Hey, have you ever read John 13? Hey, let me wash your feet real quick. And I, I jumped down on the floor on my knees and trying to take off the shoes of my students when I was doing youth ministry. And they're like, What are you doing? You're crazy. This is ridiculous. Well, it wasn't ridiculous at that time because people had sandals and their feet got really dirty. But even the picture there is an awkward picture because Jesus is the rabbi teacher. Some have professed him to be the Christ. And so he now stoops down with, with a, a towel wrapped around him. He takes up the basin and this towel and he begins to wash their feet. He becomes the servant. He's the God most high. And he becomes the servant of these beloved friends and disciples in this room, in this place. It's an amazing picture of God condescending and stooping and washing the feet of those for whom He loves and for whom He would die. Some have argued that this, even this foot washing takes place with the foot washing of Mary who poured out her tears on Jesus' feet and washed His feet with her hair. Right? And upon that happening, we are told later in other gospel accounts that the disciples say, we're done. <laughs> we're no longer going to follow this Jesus. If this is how this is going to roll out, if this weak Savior, Jesus, who claims to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, if this is how the kingdom of God rolls out through this, I'm out. 
I want no part of him. And that's what even the text suggests about Judas and his life. I will not follow this man and lose my life for such a scandalous and weak savior, some would say. And this act of Jesus not only confounds his disciples, but points to his life-giving work. That Jesus is fulfilling all of those promises from beginning to end. All the language of the Old Testament washing and cleansing of the sacrifices, all that being pictured was being fulfilled in him, in his person, his work. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He washes his disciples' feet so that by faith his word would wash their hearts in God's divine love. And they would believe Him. They would trust Him at His word. We know that Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. John 17 says, Your, your word is truth, sanctifies by your truth. Ephesians 5 talks about this marriage picture, right? That the, the husband and the wife, Jesus and His love for the church, that they are washed by the water of the word, right? It cleanses us. So here we see that acceptance is known by the washing of the Word of God, the very Word of God for us. But also, acceptance is demonstrated by the washing of the cross. The washing of the cross. Verse 8, Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And you are, you are clean, but not every one of you. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me, Peter. That's the language here before us in the text. And you are clean, but not every one of you speaking of Judas. This washing pointed to Christ on the cross. What he would do in fulfilling the words of Scripture through his death. Right? That's what Peter doesn't understand. Okay, Jesus, if you're, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body, right? It's the language. Now, you don't need to have your whole body washed, but you need to be washed. But do you really need this kind of cleansing? Oh, I don't think I really need it. Oh, yes, you need it. Can you do this cleansing? No, you can't. I can, right? And the whole language moves to the kind of washing that Jesus was going to give was the washing of his blood upon the cross over his beloved people. Right? He was going to spill his blood as the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, to cleanse his people from their sins. For a just, a holy, and a righteous God. This cleansing blood of Christ washed all of our sins away from the inside out, both perpetually, that is for ongoing sense of our lives before Jesus, and forevermore eternally. Perpetually, Jesus stands before the Father as the sacrifice for us, and when God sees us, the holy and righteous Father, God sees us, He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus. He sees the sons and daughters of God who will be known not just in that moment of their faith and trust in Jesus, but perpetually and eternally forevermore. Peter in verse 8, was, will, will, it's, it says this, we might have our share with him, is the language. We might have our share with Jesus. That is in his person and his work on the cross. Donald McLeod says this, we want a God whose feet we can wash and whom we can place in our debt so that we can walk into heaven with our heads, heads held high, self-made, self-washed, self-saved, right? Isn't that a picture really of us? We want to walk into heaven and say, I did it! Receive me! And the only way we receive is through the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us 
so that we are accepted by God wholly and fully for eternity. I remember about three or four years in our church plan, we were using the old building in Hernando, and the front of the building faces the north, and so this green algae fungus stuff was all over the front of the church. It was coming up on Easter. It didn't look very, it didn't look very good, and I remember one of the guys said, hey, look, me and my boys, uh, we will, we'll take care of that. We're going we're gonna to pressure wash that thing for the church. I was like, man, that's amazing. You're awesome. How can I help? What, what would you do? That would be great. So thankfully that, you know, Saturday before Easter Sunday, he's up there pressure washing. And the front of the church looks like amazing. It had never looked that good since we had leased the church. Uh, but then I walked in Sunday morning, and then I realized there was a group that was there before us. And it was in total disarray, right? <laughs> so the outside, we can say, was, the outside of the church was perfectly clean, and the inside was still a mess. And we had to hustle to get ready for Easter Sunday service and those who would come to visit in that place. This really is a picture of what Jesus does both on the outside and what he must do on the inside. We want the outside to be presentable, most of us. But it's Jesus who deals with the inside. And that the truth of God's word and the power of the cross both washes us from the outside, from the inside out, we would say. That's how he renews us by his grace and his mercy and his power. That he has washed us and accepted us through his perfect work. Upon the cross. You see, grace allows us by faith to accept God's love and for us in Christ. It is only the way forward with God and with others that we know you will never move towards other people. You will never consider other people unless you feel washed and accepted by God. That's the good news of this passage because those who have been washed and accepted have. Free reign to go serve God upon the earth without fear, without shame, without guilt. The hope of the gospel is that this is really true and this is not a fairy tale. That we're really loved and that we belong to God. That we belong to this world to make much of Him in this life as we serve Him. So the second thing really is that we've been washed by Christ for acceptance. But secondly, we are washed by Christ for service. That's what I was hinting at, right? Service. Washed by Christ for service. Service defines the mission of the church. Remember Mark chapter 10, verse 45? This became one of the slogans I often use. Remember, not slogan, the very Bible verse. That's, slogan that's not good. It's a true verse, right? Jesus says the Son of Man came, right? Not to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom. What? For many. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of love, came to serve. And to be a servant and to make servants in a lost and a dying world. And in verse 12, we read these words. Do you understand what I've done to you? He asks his disciples. And then in verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. You see, our service for Christ should reflect both humility and generosity. That is, how do we give our lives away if we've received the kingdom by faith, if we've been washed and accepted? What is our life to look like? It's to look like humility, and it's to look like generosity. Because all sanctifying grace produces humility and generosity in us, just like Jesus, over time as we follow Him. This also means, of course, our service for Christ only becomes service when it gets really Hard and 
really messy. Now, I used to say this term all the time. You know, the church is a place for messy people. And then finally, after being a pastor in 10 years in my local, that local congregation, finally people, go, people would come to me and say, you said it was going to be messy, but I didn't think it would be this messy. I mean, are you serious? This is really tough. This is really hard. This is really messy. And yet, that's the place, right, where service and faith really begin. We trust God that we can be faithful in serving Him. And in our service, we trust that He's doing something through it. Even if we can't see with our own eyes, experience it with our own hearts. God is at work through us. That's the hope of the gospel. But it's then, it's then and only then do we look for, the, for resources that are outside of ourselves. We look to God for His grace. We look to God for His mercy. Help me do this. Help me say this. Help me pray for this person. Help me love this person in this particular situation. Right? It's only when you really enter into the place where you have no resources do you begin to ask and beg and cry out to the Lord as the psalmist do. Lord, have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Help me according to your divine intentions and thoughts. Verse 20 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, say to you whoever receives the one I send receives me. Sent to be received is God's mission. That's how this text ends, right? He says at the very end of 20, I send, the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. That is, the Father sends His children out of the world to make much of His Son, Jesus. And lastly, in this text, service not only defines the mission of the church, service reveals the nature of the church. That there is real, intimate, lasting fellowship with those who know Christ. The nature of the church, right, is to receive God's blessing and be a blessing. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not just hear them, but do them. Receive them and go with them. And we know the famous verse that's often quoted in Christian circles in verse 35. By this all men, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the service and work is, is inside the church as well as outside the church and in the world. We have been blessed. We are blessed to be the church, the body of Christ, to be a kingdom, we might say, of foot washers. Taking the posture of a servant in a world that hates the idea of time and patience. He calls us to love and to serve the weak and the lowly. We are to find ways to take up the basin and the towel towards each other, towards our neighbors and to our loved ones. If anyone could have rightly remained, right? If anyone could have rightly remained at a distance... It was clearly Jesus, right? He could have remained at a distance from our sin in us and because of us. But of course, that's why He came. He could not let sin stand. And He could not let sin overtake and kill His people. And so He comes as the Savior of the world to be one who washes feet so that we in turn would be foot washers. But because we also learn in this context... Jesus wants intimate fellowship and relationship with His people. 
that He moves towards us, not away from us. God is always moving towards the weak, the downcast, the broken, and the unclean. He is the true lover calling out to our souls, trying to woo us away from other lovers in this world. Why are you here this morning? What brought you into this place? Why is this time important for some of you? Is it because somebody, figuratively speaking, took up the basin in the town? That they washed your feet? They were patient with you? They took a chance on you? They spent hours with you, expecting nothing in return? You're here because you met in this person, Jesus. And that person and the people in your life that have served you well, you're here because of them. Because God worked through them and washed your feet so that you could be foot washers in the world. So that others can experience the intimate fellowship that you have received from others who walk after Jesus and love Him dearly. So that you'll dearly love others as you have been loved, right? To make the world both a beautiful, to make the church both a beautiful and intimate place in this world. I conclude with this illustration. And it's two biblical pictures. One of marriage or biblical fidelity or faith and one of unbelief or spiritual adultery. It is throughout the scriptures it's important because Jesus here is the real husband of the church, and we need to rejoice over that this morning. But the reality is that you and I, by nature, are running after other lovers. That's the picture. That's the story of Hosea. Right? Gomer is running after other lovers. Hosea, her husband, is pursuing her. He's, he's commanded by God to pursue her. And it's a picture of Christ's love for the church. It's the husband who comes to wash the feet of his dear bride, and to love her to the end. Right? But the picture of it is also of us, that, that we are, by nature, people who are wandering, running after other lovers, other gods in our unbelief. Those are the two biblical images. A dear friend of mine on a pastor's retreat this past March, coming through the COVID season, was overwhelmed with the reality that there was multiple adulterous affairs happening in his congregation. And I asked this dear brother, I said, man, how, many, how big is your church? Because the way you're talking about this many affairs in the church, this has got to be like, you're like a thousand member church? No, we're like 150 to 200 member church. Four cases of adultery within the early parts of COVID. And he was at, the, he was at his wit's end. And so what he decided, he decided to write a book about these two images. And how Jesus is at the fork of the crossroads or the two roads that converge before him, before us. Will you choose Jesus or will you run after other lovers? That's the picture. One of the stories which became profound and powerful to me was a story about this one couple that he began to counsel. and He began to ask questions of the wife and he knew something was wrong. And he began to inquire more. This doesn't sound right for you and for him. Something's wrong. You need to ask him if he's having an affair with someone. And she did. And she left. And he left. He fled. He moved to Texas. They were in the hill, the, the southern part of South Carolina. He just left her. 
And by the grace of God, the story of the 99 who, the, the, the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go pursue the one, he gets on a plane. And he flies to Texas. And he confronts that man and calls him to come home. And that man ends up in tears and puddles and weeping and asking for God's forgiveness. So he got on the plane with the pastor. And they flew back home. He and his wife were reconciled. And they became, as you would know, servants of a Christ who met them, who washed them and accepted them. They were able to confess their sins both in their relationship and to the church. And marriages are being healed because of that moment, even now. What a beautiful picture of how Jesus loves His disciples, who washes their feet and washes them to the blood of His cross. My friends, if you have been washed in the blood of Christ, you are accepted by your husband, Jesus Christ, who is your God. And if this is true, then Horn Lake and this congregation is ready, willing, and able to receive you as foot washers. May God make us to be a people who are filled with character, the very community that He has made by the washing of His blood and the washing of His Word for us. Now, I didn't read the text, so I will conclude by reading the Bible, and then we'll pray. John 13, 1-20. Hear these words, maybe in a new way, and may God write its eternal truths on our hearts. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking up a towel, he tied, he tied it around his waist and he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash your feet, if, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on the, his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should, you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your promises. Send us out with this hope that we have been washed and accepted 
and you desire our service, as feeble and as flawed and as broken as it may be, you use jars of clay to shine forth your glory. Would you raise up many servants in this congregation, missionaries in this place, for the world, pastors, teachers, and those who would be sent? Would you create many workers out of Christ Fellowship Church so that your name would be great and glorified in this world and that all men would know that Christ came to not just wash feet, but to wash our souls in His blood forever and ever. We pray this in His name.